0: Episode of the Lions Twenty Four Seven Podcast. I'm Andrew Callahan, alongside Sean Fitz, talking, of course, what else but Penn State football? As today we dive into the end of spring ball, and soon the Blue White game coming up on Saturday. The Lions wrapped up practice uh, number thirteen tonight, as we tape this on Wednesday. One more walkthrough scheduled on Friday, and really looking ahead to that Blue White game because it'll be a whole lot of nothing until we hit summer camp. Um, So. We didn't learn a whole lot from practice today, but overall spring ball, we've had a couple storylines that are really, you know, I felt like stuck through from start to finish. Yeah, I, I think there was a lot to build on coming off the Rose Bowl last
1: year. And I think uh, it, it's more of getting into Joe Moorhead's second year of offense, getting those guys more comfortable. You know what you've got with McSorley. You know what you've got with Saquon Barkley. Uh, you know what you got from a lot of guys on that defense as well. So I think it was, it was about filling those gaps. Uh, of course, lost Brandon Bell, lost Naeem Wartman, Chris Godwin. You know, There's a, a short list, but a, a very good list of players that they lost. So I think replacing those guys, getting some new, younger faces in those spots, I think is, was a big deal for them this spring. Right, and you've always got
0: those storylines, you know, this time of year, no matter what the year is, replacing those veterans. that You mentioned new faces coming in, but something that's emerged, you know, recently has been the early enrollees, and you're seeing this growing across college football. For Penn State, of course, that's going to mean this year Lamont Wade uh, and Mike Miranda have really stuck out so far, and I think when you know, again, we're looking ahead to Saturday for the Blue-White game, but Lamont Wade has to be probably the most looked-forward-to player that we're going to finally see out there in pads competing since we've heard so much about him this spring. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this guy came in as a highly-touted recruit.
1: Uh, you didn't know how he was going to make that jump. Clareton, a single-A program in Western Pennsylvania, has had a ton of success, but it's still single-A football, so not a great regular season schedule until you get to the playoffs. Uh, it was kind of a different animal, but Lamont Wade has, has clearly made the jump. Uh, he's, he's probably one of the most, if not the most exciting player on that defense right now, really makes some plays. We've seen some clips online, him, him making interceptions, getting out and going after the football. Uh, just a, a true playmaker in the back in the back seven, which you know they didn't have a ton of last year. Brandon right. Bell was obviously a guy that you would look to to make those plays, but uh, you know at, at corner you've got some talent, you've got uh, some, some some quality guys at safety, but nobody that really went and, and went after the ball. And I think Lamont Wade could be that guy. Yeah, and you know, I'm going to
0: backtrack just a couple minutes into our first episode here of the Lions 24-7 podcast, because I said earlier, we didn't learn a whole lot from practice today. Again, you know, we get the small snippets of snippets, but we did see the second team defense working on some third down situations, and Lamont Wade wasn't in there. So presumably, as we've heard, he's working between the ones and twos. And at least for today, as they close in, in the blue-white game, that means he was working with the ones. Uh, so he's up there. And I think I'd throw another DB in. Is you know, There's an open competition to fill Malik Golden's spot. Nick Scott fighting for that spot. Aaron Monroe, Troy Apke. Now, Monroe and, and Scott were the second-team safeties. Again, we got a small glimpse today. Take that as you will. But I think both of them have so much potential, not only on the athleticism front, but you know that there's an uncertainty and excitement about them where you've gotten a... You you know, a snapshot of Troy Apke last year as he played both spots, but those two, to me, I think probably have the higher
1: ceiling. Yeah, and I think that spot's very much open. We, we knew coming into it there was going to be a battle in the spring that would probably extend to fall camp, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Apke's got the experience nod, uh, but you got Nick Scott, you've seen, you've seen Aaron Monroe, and both of those guys on special teams have made some plays, and I think that's really something that caught Tim Banks' eye uh, when, when he's talking about those two guys. So uh, I think both of them have a, an excellent opportunity, and I think you can end up with a solid two-deep, which is pretty much all you can ask coming out of spring.
0: Right. Yeah, and I think it's funny, too, because unless one of them jumps out and makes six picks in the blue-white game, I'm not sure how much you can really take specific to that position battle, or really any other from this game. I mean, last year I remember writing for my own previous institution, 11 Daily News, about, you know, this game is purposed as much for tackling as it is tailgate. Like, it's a recruiting tool, it's to mark the end of spring ball, bring everybody together, but this is the... Game or event that you really should not overanalyze for a variety of factors. Um, but what would the value be in your mind of what we could possibly take most out of
1: Saturday? First off, nice job sliding that in there. That was a very nice little pun you had there. But okay. no, I, I think the spring game every year, probably the most overrated thing in terms of actually evaluating players. Um, you know, you get to see them in a live arena but at the same time it's a very vanilla offense very vanilla defense guys no calls from going against the other guys so I, I think there's very little you can tell now last year Trace McSorley was very good and, right. and, and, and you saw him carry on to the year and he got better as the year progressed but yeah I don't think there's a ton that you want to take away from him. and you got to actually keep yourself from taking away too much uh, you know we, we've seen guys that have come out uh just have, have had tremendous spring games and then disappear in the fall, and, and you know and that, that that's likely to happen again this weekend. But when, when you're looking at the spring game, I think that the biggest thing you take away, like no injuries, uh, Penn State has done a decent job avoiding that in the last couple of years, but uh, you, you want to get out of there healthy, you want to get out there happy, and, and you want to make this uh, a day for the fans, a day for the recruits, and a day that you can get out
0: and, and get on in the summer. Right. Of course, injuries have not been avoided to this point, uh, most notably with John Reed. We were able to break that news a couple of weeks ago, likely going to be out for the season. So now it's a matter of fill his spot. We talked about Wade. You know, Grant Haley is an interesting guy to me because, of course, he'll be out there as a starter. But then when they dip into their sub packages, which, you know, they're doing about 50 percent of the time anyway, where does he fit in? He's seen time at Nickelback. But still, they're going to need, you know, a third corner there, whether it's Wade, Campbell and Haley or Amani Orwarie steps up. Um, to fill that spot because I think that'll be our first real glimpse of, okay, this is their plan post John Reed, you know, for this season no doubt the, the sub packages is where it hurts most they had three guys
1: that they considered starters Christian Campbell is going to have to slide into that second role right now and you know he's a pretty talented guys he's, he's one of the better athletes on the team uh, can really do a lot of things back there you know he's had some trouble staying healthy over the years but yeah you you would have loved to have those three guys that have had a tremendous amount of experience over the last two or three years uh, but now it's, it's just next man up Amani uh, Wade those guys need to step up Zach McPherson's going to have an opportunity to do so as well maybe see a little bit Desi Davis, who's a, a walk-on that nobody really talks about. Uh, I mean, you saw Jordan Smith. Nobody expected him to do anything last year. So, right. so there's opportunity there. Uh, I think they probably stick with about four or five guys, uh, you know, as was the plan coming in. But, uh, yeah, opportunity for Wade. Uh, Amani uh, had a pick in the season opener last year and, you know, ha- has shown some good things. So I think those are going to be your, your your three and four right there. Um,
0: but uh, going into the season, you'd love to have John Reed. It's just, it's just unfortunate. And, of course, these things are always – you know, easier in retrospect, but you look at a guy like Garrett Taylor, right now buried in the safety depth chart, as much as there's a competition ongoing there, having moved from corner just last year, where he was one of those guys in mop-up duty getting those snaps at the very end. A guy with lengths some athleticism, you know, perhaps he wouldn't he, you know, charged up the depth chart this year, but at least would have been in the mix now that John Reed's out of the picture you'd
1: have to think. Yeah, you, you've got hindsight there I think Garrett Taylor in the long run is going to benefit from that move to safety I, you can always move it back, I don't think that's the ideal thing to do right now, but, but, but I think in safety, I think there's probably a clearer path to more consistent playing time mm-hmm. uh, Reed's going to be back next year uh, obviously you have to replace those two guys that are going out with Haley and, and Campbell, but you're going to have an opportunity at safety to step up when Marcus Allen leaves, when Troy Apke leaves, and, and you're going to have a, a pretty clear path in the lower half of that depth chart. I think at
0: safety. And the question now with Reed too is, is: is he going to be able to get his PhD before he leaves yeah, the program? The kid just wants several degrees. I think that's yeah. the, I think that's the test. You know, we
1: talked about him leaving possibly after after this season. He's you know he's I think probably their best defensive player coming back, I would say. So I, I think he had an opportunity to do that. Now you step back, maybe maybe this benefits Penn State in the long run. You never want to say that about an injury,
0: but sure. I think they'll be okay uh, at that position moving forward. Yeah, knowing he will be back for 2018, undoubtedly, is a strength there. Uh, another guy who figures into that conversation on the other side of the ball, John Johnson. He has been. I, I started calling this the spring of Juwan Johnson about a couple of weeks ago, because literally everyone that we talk to on Wednesdays now we get a you know a little bit of practice and some interviews has brought him up from defensive lineman to Franklin. Franklin any chance that he gets. You know, you'd love to say, okay, he fills the spot, especially since we have, haven't seen Saeed Blacknall. but I'm still hesitant for the same reasons you mentioned. Some guys have great springs, great blue-white games, and then just fade come fall. Yeah, I, I think there's there's a little bit of skepticism there, but talk
1: to a lot of people in the program. Man. Jawan Johnson's the first guy that comes up with all of them, yeah. and, and that's not something that happens often. Uh, a couple of years ago, that's something that happened with Allen Robinson uh, a couple of years ago uh, when Deshaun Hamilton was finishing his freshman year, going into his redshirt freshman year, um, you know, which had a big year. He was a guy that stepped up like that. So this guy is, is getting some next level praise. Um, Mike Kusicki even last year the big jump that he made supposedly in workouts. Yeah, absolutely. Kusicki like was a guy that I, I don't think people trusted the reports coming out based on the, the the year that he had the year prior. But yeah, I mean, he had a great spring last year. John Reed had a great spring last year. It, it usually when you talk to people in the program, the first guy that comes up is 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 pretty. Um, the board is pretty common, uh, so I think that Juwan Johnson is a guy that that has stepped up. Whether it's their expectations of him or expectations as a whole, um, you know, being the star, being or versus being a guy that can be in the rotation and catch. Uh-huh. You know, three, four, four, five balls a
0: game. Right, and the big thing with him even coming out of high school, of course, were those hands, which he said he's taken you know, thousands of reps with the jug machine. And to recap from last year, he just had two catches for 70 yards, whereas a guy he's potentially replacing in Chris Godwin had 11 touchdowns out of 59. Now, he might be able to step into that X, but that's a huge jump no matter who you are. Let alone a guy that's coming from a place of just just two catches. Yeah, team. you're not going to replace Chris Godwin with just one guy. I mean,
1: he was phenomenal last year. Not only those numbers, but in the clutch, just he was the guy to go to. Can you count on Johnson to be that guy right now? That's going to be a little bit tougher. So you you want to spread it out. You'll see Saeed. Uh You'd like to see Irvin Charles make a leap. I think I think the thing that when you talk about Juwan Johnson. Uh, I think the, one of the first things that come up is his work ethic. I mean, yeah. the, the guy put the work in to be here, and that's that, that's something that we're seeing paying off for him and being rewarded for him. So, so you, you're more inclined to to believe the hype when you when you hear about the backstory. I mean, we heard coming in the summer, or excuse me, coming into the spring, that he was going to be a guy that was going to make himself a factor based on the work that he put in there, and and so far he's done
0: it right. So, hearing it from multiple sources, you know, throughout the course of winter workouts and now this spring, I think you know if you're going to make a bet on anyone making. To leave leap, Juwan Johnson is probably the safest out of all those, but I think when you look across the roster we just talked about safety, I don't think you could say, again assuming Johnson take care of, takes care of his business, that all the holes are filled right now on this Death Star.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you take a look at the roster as a whole, you're trying to fill in twos and threes right now more so than ones and twos. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you look at a spot like tight end, uh, Jasicki's obviously a known commodity. Uh, Nick Bowers was hurt, missed all of last year. He was a guy that they expected to be the backup last year. Uh, obviously that didn't happen. And you look at a guy like John Holland, who's going to step in and, and maybe be a guy that picks up those second team reps from Tom Pancoast and, 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 you know, has himself a good career at Penn state. So I think that's what you're looking for this spring is, is guys that can step in there. I mean, you look at uh, guys that weren't getting rep- many reps this spring, Saquon Barkley, Mike Jasicki, Jason Cabinda, Marcus Allen, mm-hmm. a couple other guys, uh, you know, that's the, that's one thing is it, it, they're older guys, so they don't need those as many reps, but on the, uh, Uh, On the
0: flip side, you get those younger guys in, and and, and really it's going to benefit them in the long run. Right, and I think, too, you look back at last year and some of those guys you mentioned, Penn State had pretty good injury luck when it came to the offensive side of the ball, linebacker, obviously a very different situation. So, you know, as much as you go, OK, Kosicki's a given, you know, start a tight end. If he goes down, what are your options? Last year was Tom Pancos, who filled in admirably during the Ohio State game. But then otherwise, you could rely on number 88 being out there, an option over the middle. And, you know, Saeed Blacknell misses some time at the beginning of the season. DeAndre Tompkins steps up, and when he gets hurt, Blacknell's back. So, you know, they were really set at the skill positions. Offensive line was another different story. But this year with that group, they've got so much more depth, which I think is exactly what you're talking about. The twos and threes you don't mind elevating to ones right now it's just finding the five but it's one of those good problems to have yeah and i think that the offensive line you mentioned was a different animal but a guy like Chaz Wright,
1: who at this time last year was the second and 13 right guard and, you and know, Matt i didn't even know if he could use him that was something he shared just outright, like i don't know what to do with this guy yeah absolutely and, and you look at a guy and you don't want to be in that situation again but you know if you can throw a guy into the fire uh Sterling Jenkins, Will Fries, these guys, you know, have a little bit more talent than, than, than some of those guys in front of them just don't have the, the experience just not kind of ready physically yet. Um, But, but, but I think if you throw them into the fire, they can do some good things. And by the end of the season, Chaz Wright was doing it. Steven Gonzalez was doing it. Uh, You've got guys that can, can step in at receiver. Um, You know, they, I, I think it, goes back to a, it's a testament to the recruiting job that they've done. They've done For a sure. phenomenal job roster building and that's being balanced across. They, they could have come out in 2015 and, and taken know four or five receivers or taking a bunch at one position and, and ignored another position and, and and so far i think they've done a, a nice job of staying within their means keeping the offensive line classes around four guys mm-hmm. keeping the defensive line classes you know five to six guys when you add tackle and end and, and getting some guys that can play multiple spots koa farmer came in you know as a guy last year made an impact at a safety at this time last year right. so it, it, it'll be really interesting to see who can make that
0: leap because a lot of times you don't see it coming. And I think also a credit to them is the patience with the red You know, again, early in the season, you're talking about potentially burning the red shirts of Will Fries and Michael Mennett. Now you look at those guys, they don't even have to contribute this year, but you look at who might they lose heading into 2018. Well, Wright and Ryan Bates figure to be back as the book ends to tackle. Stephen Gonzalez in that mix-it guard. You know, Brendan Mann is going to be lost along with Andrew Nelson, but you've got Mennett able to step up. And Connor McGovern, you know, who right now has been moved to center, plugged in, and done exceedingly well, which also provides greater girth because, you know, truth be told, the fourth quarter of the Rose Bowl, that's what lost was not being able to gain short yardage against a very good USC front. But now this is one beefy first-team offensive line that should be able to move people this season almost without question. Yeah,
1: they look like an offensive line. They look like the the offensive line. I think Penn State fans want to see looking back on the '94 team when you've got giants out there. And you know, I I think it'll be really fun to see what Saquon Barkley can do with this offensive line. Are they good yet? I don't know. Are they you know right. above average? You know, if they can get to above average and
0: good, Saquon Barkley can do a lot of that on his own as well and i've been writing about this recently sat down with matt Grover to discuss it, and he says listen we're, we're a work in progress still which of course any coach is going to temper expectations but when you look at them in specific areas last year they were among the country's worst and again it's due to a variety of factors injury included but there's a lot of room to grow so even if they are average considering who you have a tailback and quarterback that might just get the job done for them to go where they want to reach the college football playoff, you know, Big Ten championship again, perhaps a national championship, if those guys can just do their duties, to, you know, to an average or above-average level, and I think that's a reasonable expectation, you know, we'll only learn so much from the blue-white game, but heading in for the rest of the season, if they can just, you know, mediocre, sounds like a sad bar to hit, but from where they came from, that might do it. Yeah, it was, it was pretty far down. We talked to Andre Robinson a little bit tonight, and he pointed
1: out some of those guys in front of him, and and we have a little bit of a clip here. How do you kind of uh, assess the offensive line play during the spring running behind them? They're a lot more comfortable than they were last year, a lot farther ahead than they were last year. A lot of young guys are stepping up. Obviously, Bates is a leader. Uh, obviously, Andrew Nelson is a really, really good leader. Um, and then the young guys like Michael Mennett and Will Fries and, and Mike Moraine are really stepping up and, and playing well. Um, so that they're a lot farther ahead than they were last year, which is good for the entire offense.
0: Rightfully so, so far, given his spring, he's needed to add some weight. But he's figuring into the two deep, um, you know, if not at center, at left guard right now. Yeah, we, we, he came in with a high floor, which we talked about
1: numerous times. <laughs> if, you, if you watched his senior highlights, junior highlights, he just mauled kids. And, and something you love to see. Physically not the most imposing guy, maybe 6'3". Maybe two ninety five, three hundred, but you know he, look, he looks great. Um, you know he's a guy that has stepped in, and he's just a tough kid. He's going to get in scraps with defensive linemen. He's going to push some guys around, and and that's great to see from a, a true freshman early enrollee. Uh, you know I've been high on him for a long time. You know he's maybe not a star guy, but uh, and, and maybe his ceiling might level off. You take a look at guys like Sterling Jenkins, who, who's not there yet but has high potential. Mike Miranda is kind of the opposite. I mean, he's he's there coming in as a freshman. He will get better. He will get more physical. He will get stronger. But he's a guy that you can rely on for a couple of years, I think. So Miranda's is a guy I'm, I'm very high on. But, uh, you know, it, it'll be really fun to see what he can do on Saturday.
0: Right. And, of course, they've got some uh, incoming freshmen, too, along that line – Guys, but you know, again, should be in that mix provided they need the emergency depth like they did a year ago. That should provide some more bodies. Uh, but offensive line, you know, recruiting it doesn't stop with this class for now. They have a good two deep, it, it's very much, you know, still focused focus for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we mentioned a little bit earlier in the podcast that, that they've balanced their
1: classes very well. That four man class of men at govern and Gellerstead and, Geller, and fries I think is going to pay dividends for them for a long time. I just think it's a great group. It's an athletic group. It's a, a semi-local group, which I think helps as well. So I, 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 think you lean on those guys, you build around those guys and, and, I think you can you know, sort of make it the next couple of years and sort of bridge that gap because they didn't get a whole lot out of the, the 2014 class when right. they showed up. So, uh, you know, coming along and getting those guys was just huge
0: for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. And C.J. Thorpe being that guy who might be able to make an impact depending on how summer camp goes. But um, they've got a, a whole lot of prospects coming in on Saturday for the Blue White. Yeah,
1: huge weekend. Uh, we have a big list, as always, on the site. Uh, it's just guy after guy coming in every day. I mean, just, you know, we've got almost, uh, I think, 20-some guys that have offers uh, from Penn State. And when you take a look at the class right now, I mean, they're probably half full for the, the 2018 class. And to get this this collection of guys on campus, uh, I think, is, is going to be phenomenal for Penn State. It's going to pay dividends in the long run. I'm looking at the offensive line. Uh, they've got probably six or seven guys. With offers in, in the 2018 class that are going to be probably scheduled to be in this weekend, uh, guys like Bryce Eftner, Juice Grugs, uh, Matt Jones from Brooklyn, mm. uh, Big Nana from from uh, Virginia, who's a, a huge target for them. Uh, you, you've got an opportunity to sort of um, establish your tackle targets, uh, get a pecking order. and from there, they've got Chris Bleich, uh committed right now. He's also taking other visits. So you're you're basically going to uh, recruit like you have four spots open. It. And when you take a look at what they're trying to do in the 2018 class, tackle is such a huge priority. They've got guys, uh, you know, a lot of guys that project in the interior. Of course, you've got some guys that. Uh, like Fryes and Gellerstead that are younger, that are a tackle, but you want to bring in tackles. You want to guys bring in guys that can play both guard and tackle. They went guard heavy in 2017, so I think it's it's going to be a big opportunity for them to make an impact at a very big position of need. Because you look across the board in the class, there there's still holes that they filled up at a couple spots, but there's still holes, in, and the offensive line is is one of those places. So the offensive
0: line has been a storyline since you know James Franklin staff came to campus, it still is today, will be tomorrow. Um, so excluding them from this summer, which again will have you know some new faces in there and a lot of competition, I think for me a storyline that will also continue is going to be Lamont Wade. I mean, for him, I feel safe betting on him continuing to make plays. We heard Torrance Brown, on a media conference call yesterday saying he made an interception on the sideline in a play that he had just never seen before. And this is a guy who has been around the block collegiately in Brown, obviously a full high school career, and there's a kid who just stepped onto campus making a play like that. So I think, you know, inevitably everyone has their ups and downs, but physically he's mature, he's ready, he's working hard, has earned the respect of teammates and coaches alike, and things like that are what carry you through an entire season, and I think will carry him into summer as a guy who's really going to contribute, especially considering John Reed absence so he's your Mike Miranda (laughs) yeah you know I'll
1: roll I'll roll with Lamont Lamont I first saw as a freshman um at camp at Penn State and they won the whole thing um and he was you know phenomenal I think that that speaks to his competition level he's a competitor uh he's a guy that has always been physical he's never backed down he went to every single challenge that I think he could have and uh you know he he ended his career at the Under Armour All-American game and really never backed down from anyone uh you know Rivals uh, had him as the number one corner for a long time. I think he ended up as the number one corner, and uh, and that's for a reason. I mean, he's he's not the biggest guy. He's he's not even the fastest guy. But he's a he's a guy that will get in your face, play physical, and I think that
0: that, that can have a great college career and eventually uh, you know end up going pro. And I think, as I said, his storyline will continue. I think Juwan Johnson, not for any of his personal doing, will probably quiet down a little bit with Saeed hole coming in and you'll have a steady competition there. Uh, defensively, I'm also looking at linebackers. I mean, the speed that they're going to have out of Manny Bowen and Cole Farmer on the outside is going to be such a difference I think heading into next year and we'll really hear a lot more about that now that you know Farmer's settled in at the Sam Bowen's going into his second year as a real contributor. Well, Jason Kabinda, of course, been a stalwart there for a long time? So the plays that they're able to make in summer is, I think, the next step. We're going to hear from them. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think an important thing
1: with the linebackers is, is establishing that two deep uh, behind Farmer. You've got Jarvis Miller, who's new to the position. Behind uh, Bowen, you've got Cam Brown, who you know played a little bit as a freshman, but he's still got a, lot, a long way to go in terms of development. In the middle of your set, you got Kabinda and Brandon Smith, who was just phenomenal at times last year. Um, so I, I think that establishing that too deep on the outside is going to be a big thing. Jarvis Miller's going to continue to get bigger. Uh, he's got a great frame on him. Obviously Cam Brown's frame is phenomenal, but uh, these are guys are going to have to learn to play linebacker because as we saw last year, you know,
0: just a, in a matter of a couple of plays, you things can, can ready, happen. Yeah, things can happen. Yeah. You can't Brown today just mentioned him really been lauded for his pass rush as a blitzer like you think about that frame you can get underneath those pads but he's been able to slip by everybody and that's talking to guys on the offensive side as well as teammates who are going to be you know likely to praise him. yeah this isn't a typical just four three drop the three
1: linebackers in the coverage let the front four uh, do some things you know farmer can get after the quarterback cam brown can get after the quarterback bowen's done it as well um kabinda was in uh uh, at the the end of the Ohio State game was in the backfield a couple times last year, so I, I think that those guys are going to provide that second wave and really can make Brent Pry's job a lot easier and, and make the guys behind him I mean, you, you're obviously replacing Reed. You've got guys stepping in and and uh, maybe that haven't played a ton of football, but uh, if you can get some some fluttering balls out there, if you can get some pressure on those quarterbacks, uh, you know. You, from the second
0: from the second level, I think you're going to be all right. And this is a stat I trotted out at the end of last year. You know, talking about Farmer, who played a quarter of the defensive snaps. Manny Bowen, who is you know more than half, um, but still not you know what you'd expect from a starting linebacker. Combined, they had more tackles for loss than Jason Kabinda and Brandon Bell did guys who are playmakers and you would expect that from so when you have them for a full season it's going to be a lot of havoc either in the backfield or getting their hands on passes which you know to me there's probably no better way to end our debut podcast than linebacker you but it looks like you, you, have, you have one more thing well if you ask Brent Pry about this spring he's going to bring up Koa Farmer he's, he's
1: yeah. really high on him and I, and I personally think Farmer's got a little bit uh, to go in terms of instincts and things like that but you've got an athlete out there that you haven't seen as a linebacker at, at Penn State for a long time and you he's, he's got to read those keys. He's got to get those instincts in there. But he's a guy that can cover a lot of ground very fast. And you mentioned a little bit earlier, you've got him on one side. You've got Bowen on the other. You've got a, an opportunity to cover some ground from the linebacker position. I think someone was
0: writing about Koa Farmer not too long ago on the site, if I, if I recall correctly. I don't know. I don't read the site. <laughs> Uh, if only that wasn't uh, entirely false. Um, but I think that will just about do it. This has been fun. It's been great. Yeah, so for Sean Fitz, I'm Andrew Callian here in the debut episode of the Lions 24 7 podcast. Thank you for hanging out with us.